welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 226th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 727th episode overall of, of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 9th, 2021. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, this week's banner moment just occurred yesterday when the schedule was released, and it's going to be the main topic of this show. Uh, ever since the coaching change and the hiring of Coach Woodson, there has been nothing but good news for the Indiana Hoosier basketball program. There has been recruiting news. There has been the wins in Bahamas, the hiring of coaching staff, and everything seems to be headed in the right direction, and we all are excited about that, but we also know that it gets done on the court. Well, now we know uh, when those uh, games are scheduled, we can put them on our calendars, uh, make plans to watch together, travel to Bloomington, or simply sit down in the living room and watch uh, a Coach Woodson-led Indiana Hoosier basketball team. And now we will discuss that in our main uh, section in Section 2. But uh, if things continue to go the way they have for Coach Woodson and staff uh, since his hiring, well, there might be a lot of W's next to those uh, scheduled games on the Indiana schedule. Uh, so now joining me um, to my left. You'll have fun, fun, fun. 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 Andy, what's on your mind about Indiana fun, fun. basketball or sports in general? Well, I, I don't really want to talk about the Reds who are in the who are trying to give away a wild card that the schedule makers have have put on a silver platter for them, and they just refuse to take it. So, I will not uh, I will not discuss that any further than those comments. But yeah, for me, from an IU perspective, it was really the, the schedule coming out, and as you said, we'll get into it more, but. Um, relatively, I don't know that you'd be hard pressed to see a Big Ten schedule is favorable, uh, but there's a lot of things that I feel like we have said about schedules in recent years that you probably couldn't say uh, about this year, whether that be who the team has single plays against, uh, you know, kind of really you no know, no crazy tough stretches of play like it feels like we've had. So, um, you know, we'll see that the non-conference schedule was not really a surprise other than, you know, a few of the dates, but I think, uh, but I think, you know, that we, we pretty much knew that uh, coming in. So really it was the big 10 piece that was added to it. And um, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to talk about. I know we'll try to put a little bit of a bracketology slant on it, particularly on the non-conference side. It's a little bit hard to, uh, project some of the things from a conference perspective, but good to have uh, real games to look forward to, and you can kind of put a few stakes in the ground of where you where you might think that the uh, team will end up at, at certain points of the year. And, and also, it, it's one of our favorite moments, Andy, where we put all of our minds together and try to come up with a date that works for all of us to get to Bloomington and and meet some uh, Assembly Call fans and 
and have our, our meetup. So that's a, a work in progress right now. So a lot of positives when the schedule popped. Um, and one being that we have something to talk about on this show as we <laughs> continue to count down the weeks uh, until basketball season has some, some real information. But okay, here's what we're going to cover this week. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about uh, some limited Hoosier headlines, but some headlines nonetheless. And segment two, the big uh, big segment is going to be IU's basketball schedule. And as Andy mentioned, a little bracketology uh, in there as well. And then, of course, we got some great questions uh, from our, our community members. All of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. In case you missed it in last week's Six Banner Sunday or on last week's podcast, we have a new sponsor here on the show, and it's a name that longtime listeners of the Assembly Call will recognize. Ed Fang writes one of the most reliable manuals each year on how to win your March Madness bracket pool, plus he's a Michigan fan, so he's always current on Big Ten hoops. So because of his hoops analysis, Big Ten connection, and friendship with Jared, Ed has joined our show a handful of times to talk Big Ten hoops and the NCAA tournament. Well, for his day job, and Ed is the founder and lead analyst for The Power Rank, which he describes as, quote, sports betting with a Ph.D. edge, end quote. He specializes in football, both college and the NFL, and delivers consistent value to help you with betting, fantasy, daily fantasy, or anything else where having predictive metrics you can trust give you an edge. The best part, Ed's newsletter is free, and right now he's offering a special bonus when you sign up. Uh, his report, uh, NFL quarterbacks who will fade in 2021. All you have to do is sign up for Ed's newsletter. To do so, go to thepowerrank.com backslash AC. That's thepowerrank.com backslash AC. We've, we've recommended Ed's site even when he wasn't a paying sponsor, so we appreciate him supporting our work with his sponsorship. Ed is a good, honest guy who does good, reliable work, which isn't something always easy to find in his industry. So sports betting is your thing. Make sure you subscribe to his free newsletter, thepowerrank.com backslash AC. All right, uh, now it's time for our Hoosier headlines. An unfortunate headline is the Indiana football team, with all its expectations, traveled to Iowa City last Saturday and came up with a 34-6 to resounding dud um uh, on their 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 first effort of 2021 and um we'll talk about whether that's just a, a bump in the road or something of concern uh Juwan Morgan was signed by the Boston Celtics and so Romeo and and Juwan will have a chance in camp to work together and we'll see where Juwan ends up on the final roster um congratulations to Juwan and then um a recent offer uh, IU offered a top five 2023 uh Big in 6'10", Kwame Evans Jr. Uh, and depending on who you look to for rankings, it's either the number two ranked uh, player or the number five ranked player. Uh, that is uh, one of the biggest fish I think uh, Woody's trying to reel in uh, in his uh, time here so far. Uh, Andy, um, well, you want to talk a little football or or, or did something else want to start <laughs> off your uh, Hoosier headlines? <laughs> Well, I'll start with a I'll start with a positive one that I forgot about. I was trying to rack my brain. I saw something earlier this week that I I knew I wanted to mention, and uh, and and I I forgot about it within a couple of days. But uh, it was cool to see uh, Verdell Jones got sworn in as a uh, as a firefighter in Champaign. It sounds like uh, earlier this week, I believe. Uh, so he was uh, you know he tweeted it out said he was extremely excited for the next chapter. So. Uh, you know, he's been doing some some things in their community 
uh, already as well. I think more from a basketball perspective. Uh, but uh, but cool to see him doing that as the next chapter has always been uh, maybe an underappreciated guy uh, over the course of the Korean era and have enjoyed opportunities to hear him talk about the program and his time at IU since he was there. So definitely a uh, definitely a positive. Um, probably a segue somewhere into uh, their IU's performance being a, a dumpster fire of sorts uh, on Saturday to be had there. But uh, I guess I'll ask you first, at least as somebody that was there, uh, maybe talk about the positive, which seemed to be a pretty uh, a pretty good tailgate environment prior to the game. Yeah, and, and, and first of all, to all firefighters out there, especially uh, this week with the anniversary of 9-11, uh, we appreciate your service and, and Verdell uh, doesn't surprise me that, uh, that you would sign up to, to do that. So congratulations on, on your new gig there. Yeah. The, the, the positive was the tailgate, uh, Sammy Jacobs and Hoosier huddle, uh, were the main sponsors and they drug us along, um, it, to, to have some fun and, and get to know people. And there was just a lot of, uh, listeners that stopped by to say hello. And, and it was just, a a lot of fun. We had some parents of uh, football players end up walking by and stopping by, and it's just a chance to show our hospitality and, and get to say thank you uh, to to the um, to the huge number of, of people who listen to our show. And that's why I know that's why I do it, and I, I think I can speak for you too. It's uh, we we enjoy it personally, but we also enjoy what we can bring uh, to our listeners. And so, um, yeah, it was it was good. Uh, we had a, a, a high dollar. Uh, parking spot thanks to sammy and and his crew and we got kicked out once because we had a reserved spot we didn't know it was reserved uh but we stayed in the we stayed in the general area sammy just had to move his vehicle um but yeah it was uh it was a good time the football game not so much uh you know it was uh it was a dumpster fire as, as you mentioned there there were not uh very many plays moments to uh to, to cheer and, and we hope that's just a blip uh, in in the radar but uh, the, the the team was not ready for what they faced in in Iowa City that that was for sure it, yeah I think a lot of and I feel like we alluded to this a little bit last week when we talked about what we were worried about and a lot of the conversation was around the, the offensive and defensive line and those things came home to roost relatively quickly uh, although I really thought outside of the the big run uh, early I thought the defense played relatively well was put in some difficult positions and ended up being on the field quite a bit. I, I thought they acquitted themselves pretty well overall, um, short of a you know player or two here and there. Uh, so I think that corrected itself pretty quickly, but I think the, the offensive line contributed a bit to you know Penix's struggles uh, on the game and it was uh, yeah, it was it was not too far into the game where it was like, well, the excitement wore off rather rapidly as the uh, as uh, as things got going. So, I, you know, I, I think they're they're not as bad as they showed in that game. And I don't think if you told me they were going to lose to Iowa going in, I would have been the least bit surprised. I think it was more the fashion in which they lost. And uh, I don't know that this week, unless they struggle, tells us a ton uh, about that. But it maybe is a chance to you know to get right. Uh, a little bit, but I guess, you know, one of the things that we had talked about was, you know, what, what would make you feel better, um, you know, out of the game this weekend, what do you want to see that would maybe quell some of your, your fears that you brought back with you from Iowa yeah. city? To, to be honest, I don't know that they can show anything this weekend. Uh, it's going to be the next weekend against Cincinnati, uh, a, a more competitive thing. The disappointing thing for me was, um, 
just just some of the lack it la- seemed lack of communication from the sideline uh, to the guys uh, whether that was the guys not fault not doing it uh, or the coaching staff but we we had a delay of game for a field goal attempt only had 10 guys uh, someone said that later in the game uh, that we punted with 10 guys on the field uh, there was a, a play defensively who defense played well uh, but there was a corner blitz called well the safety didn't get the call and the guy was wide open but the ball was underthrown so he slipped and fell for a 10 yard play instead of a, a long a very late play calls the defense standing and watching the sidelines um th- those things if you're a, a top 20 team you, it doesn't happen and i and i don't, I don't buy the game one excuses or the seventy thousand at, at kinnick if you're going to be a top 20 program you, you have that stuff planned out practiced and, and um th- those things don't happen in the amount that they happen that's the concerning thing um for for me is again losing to iowa on the road there's nothing to be ashamed about that but it's the way um, it's the way Indiana played, and the way the Indiana coached, in my opinion, uh, was concerning. Uh, and so, you know, what they do is got, they get a get right game. You know, get get all those kinks worked out, and put some points on the board, and have a nice win, and then come back and really get to work uh, for the for the real uh, tough uh, schedule. So, yeah, that that's yeah, that's I, just the way I, I look at it. it yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think I think the two big big things everybody's worried about coming out were just kind of the the preparedness and some of the uh silly mistakes uh that you referenced and then the play calling from an offensive perspective and you know didn't see i know you and i think it was jay and, and jared and i were texting a little bit you know with a little bit of time to have have you know let the game sink in a little bit but a lot of it for me was just didn't really press the issue or or do a lot to make iowa uncomfortable uh, I thought Stephen Carr looked okay, given what was, you know, what was blocked and and what he was able to get out of it. But um, in terms of you know doing a whole lot outside the hash marks and or down the field, there just wasn't a lot of that. It was the things they had success with were some of the short crossing routes and um, plays out into the flat, which just didn't really didn't put a lot of pressure on Iowa's defense. And, and credit to Iowa's defense to a certain extent, but like to see him open it up a little bit again to your point i don't know that doing that successfully against idaho really makes you feel a, a, a lot better other than the opportunity to give some guys confidence and you know by some guys in that in that sentence i mean Penix obviously to you know get some of that rust off of of him and, and see what happens so yeah it's a little bit hard to say there's a whole lot they could do that's going to make you feel a whole lot better it's it's almost like um there, there's more they could do on Saturday to make you feel worse than, than yeah. to make you feel better, unfortunately, uh, in a game like that. But hopefully that's not true. I think if they can put up put up a good amount of points, I know Joel talked about you know 35 plus something like that. I think that's uh, I think that's should be a a, a a floor for what they would uh, be able to put up. But I think being able to really get some things going down the field is going to be uh, going to be important because they're going to have to to do that uh, over the course of the year. And, and I think. Still throwing some of those short plays at Penix to me. The other thing still struggles a little bit with, you know, when to put some touch on the ball and when to rifle in a 99 mile an hour fastball to, to guys that are are not that far from him. Um, and again, I don't know how much of that is is rust from the injury versus it's some things that we saw him struggle with early in games last year. There were times it just seemed it took him a while to get into a rhythm. Yeah, it's um, 
you know, it just brings back some questions is what, what the Iowa performance. You go back and you can pick and choose. You know, Penix had some good games, but they were probably against man-to-man coverage, and he was thrown deep, and there were some jump balls that the athletic wide receivers went and got and turned into 63-yard touchdown, uh, you know, s- scores. Uh, it, can Penix be the guy to take us 80 yards uh, on, on a long drive, or does he have to hit the big play? And then maybe Iowa's zone, uh, you know, their coverages were um, – you know, a little bit confusing, especially in, in game one. But uh, you, you would have thought that, again, you know, we take the Big Ten logo off our jerseys in the bowl game because we're mad at, at you know, uh, the AD out there, Barta, for not giving us a better bowl game. We felt that we were dissed and we laid an egg there. And then we have all the accolades in the, in, at the beginning of the season and, and, again, come out in just a really bad performance. Uh, that that's you, you are, You're going to talk the talk. you got to – a walk the walk, and and right now, um, uh, Indiana's not doing it. Do they have the talent? Do they have the coaching to bounce back? Absolutely, but you have to be truthful that uh, that performance by the coaching staff and the players was uh, was just not acceptable. So, uh, the other two, Juwan Morgan's just an interesting NBA guy. You know, he gets it because he he plays extremely hard, and you just you just want a guy like that to find a role uh, to be ready if he's down the roster to, to pop in and, and play two or three games when someone's injured or that. Uh, a, a guy like Jawan Morgan, the hustle guy, uh, I, and I, I like the Celtics and, and that program. We'll, we'll see what happens there. And then and Woodson's still out there recruiting. He was out there this week, uh, his whole staff today, uh, was out uh, in gyms um, looking at, at players. So uh, some pretty good headlines there. Yeah, I mean, exciting to see Juwan Morgan get a, a chance with the Celtics. Uh, he's a guy who I, I think, whether that be at various times during his college career, even as he he got on, you know, even even him getting himself to a situation where he's starting a playoff game for the Jazz uh, as a rookie, I think is a testament to his work ethic and uh, things like that. And I think a lot of times guys like that or who are role players in that scenario, it's a matter of finding the right fit. So hopefully for him, that can be in Boston. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't, but, uh, but you always just hope to, to find a good landing spot for, uh, for a guy like him. And then, yeah, the recruiting side, that's uh yeah, that that never really ends, I don't think, and so we'll uh, continue to track some of those as, as other visits are coming up. I think there's um, at least some recruits coming in for the UC game uh, next weekend, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, looks like oh, just to just to round out the the football talk to get back to a uh, back to a positive. Sounds like you guys have a good good menu planned for the uh, for the tailgate. So we might like as well to, uh, might as well tee up to share that. Yeah, we uh, uh, with everybody before we take a break. We'll be going about one o'clock in the purple lot. Um, Right, right north of the football uh, practice fields. Uh, come look. We have an assembly call and Hoosier huddle sign, and um, we're going to have hot dogs ready to grill up if you need one before lunch. But the main course is going to be served between five and six, as long as we have uh, uh, supplies lasting. Uh, so you might want to get there at five if you want to grab a sandwich. But it's an Idahoan, Idahoan sandwich. It's meatloaf, grilled meatloaf, mashed potatoes on top, a Colby Jack cheese melted with some chili sauce on a bun. Um, we have no idea. Never made them before, but it's from Idaho. And then uh, I think someone's going to try to bring some uh, ha- um, chicken fr- uh, fried steaks or finger steaks, whatever they're called. They're they're famous in Idaho too. And then we'll have potato salad and a lot of potato stuff. You're going to be at this uh, tailgate. Uh, but uh, five to six will be the the, the main meal. We are uh, remember it is nine eleven. Uh, I'm going to bring a red bandana uh, to honor. Um, 
Wells Crowther, that was on ESPN, he was a lacrosse player from Boston College who uh, saved some lives and then lost his in, in 9-11. And uh, I, I hope that I don't get caught up in all the uh, fun that I'd like to have a moment of silence at the tailgate as well, uh, probably about 6, 6.30 before uh, we, we break up and, and head in. It, it is going to be a fun day for us, but it is also a day of memory. So um, that's on, that's on, uh, on tap for, for the tailgate, and I, and I hope I see as many – IEU fans in general, but Assembly Call um, listeners uh, show up and and introduce yourself. So um, that's what's that's what's on store. And coming up here on Assembly Call Radio, uh, we'll take a closer look at the IU basketball schedule uh, just recently released. So stick with us here on the Assembly Call. who makes a difference at work. So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com careers. Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, fall style. Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Kohl's. Of course you did. I got a cute Kara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of Vans. Love Vans. And save 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Kohl's card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Congrats again, Jawan. Thanks for uh, stopping by the show after you signed with Celtics. But welcome back to the assembly call. How do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day? About IU basketball, well, it's crazy during the offseason, and it's even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are on the list, and we want you to be on there too. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. Okay, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms. And Indiana's schedule uh, was released. We know all the dates. Uh, we do not know the times, obviously. Uh, that, that will be released at a later date along with television networks, and that will complete the schedule at that point. But we let's talk a little bit about uh, how they're, they're set up. Um, we, we've talked a lot about the non-conference games as they have come out. The big three, Andy, uh, St. John's at home on the 17th of November is a Gavit game uh, competition there. Then in the Big Ten ACC matchup, Indiana tra- uh, travels to Syracuse on uh, the 30th of November. And then the Crossroad Classic game against Notre Dame is December 18th on a Saturday in Indianapolis. 
those three games, uh, I think, are very, very important for Indiana's postseason uh, hopes. Um, your thoughts about those key uh, non-conference games and when they're scheduled? It, yeah, th- those are definitely – it feels like you, you – I don't know that you have to go two and one. I think you would like to go at least two and one in those games given – that you, you padded it with a lot of home games. And I think that's understandable given new coaching staff and, and some of those kinds of things. I know you and I both had talked earlier in the, the off season that we probably would have liked to see at least one more mark, not maybe not even a marquee game, just a, just a, a better game against a, a team from a major conference. But, um, but I, at the same time, I can understand why it's that way, but it does put added pressure on those few games. Uh, I think St. John's, when that initially came out, that one felt a little underwhelming. Uh, but at the time, I was assuming that uh, one of their better players, Julian Champagny, uh, was going to go pro, and he turned out to come back to school. So uh, between him and uh, Posh Alexander, who was a really good freshman guard for them last year, I think they should be uh, they should be pretty decent. And that might be the, albeit the home game. Um, you know, maybe the one that looks uh, looks best or the, against the highest ranked team that you might see uh, at the end of the season. Obviously, a road game at Syracuse is difficult for a variety of reasons, and and we'll uh, we'll be there. And I think Notre Dame should be uh, should be reasonably good as well. But I, I still think you you know you're not playing the top of the top, so you feel like you probably need to go two and one in those, and um, you know win the rest of the home games and and go from there. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think. Um... Overall, the schedule kind of lacks a, a power game or two. Um, you know, you, you beat these three, you're going to be in, in a really good position. The The other home games against Eastern Michigan on the 9th of November, Northern Illinois on, on the 12th, uh, Louisiana on 11-21, Jackson State 11-23, Marshall 11-27, Merrimack uh, December 12th, Northern Kentucky 12-22, uh, and UNC Asheville to uh, round out the end of the year on December 29th. Those are games you have to win. There's a couple, uh, I think there are three or four really um, decent games there that ha- that from a bracketology standpoint will add to their strength of schedule because, you know, depending on how strong they are this year, there are some of those uh, teams you should beat, but they're not at the back end, the 350s that really don't do much for you. And that's Louisiana. Uh, that'll be Marshall, who, who has played some good basketball in the past. Northern Kentucky has made a couple trips to the NCAA tournament out, out of the Horizon League. And then Merrimack beat uh, Northwestern a couple years ago as they just transitioned to, to Division One. So those four games are games that are going to be a little tougher than most people think. And, and the the only positive for those games, in my opinion, is it's that middle-of-the-road type, um, you know, non-conference game that's not just an automatic buy-game win at the back end of your schedule. Yeah, I don't think, as we think about this from a bracketology perspective, I don't think any of those can creep into, you know, a quad two game, which, um, you know, you got to be thir- between 31 and 7 – 31st and 75th in the net for it to qualify as a, a quad two game at home. I don't think any of those, even those top ones that you said creep into that, but you know, you mentioned those four games. You've also got a couple teams from the Mac, uh, which is traditionally a, at least a, a, you know, middle of the road rated league that isn't going to kill you. Even if those teams aren't uh, toward the top of the league, I think Jackson state's really one of the only ones, maybe the only one 
from a league that that traditionally uh, in the SWAC is is typically toward the bottom and is going to you know maybe hurt you more than uh, more than help you in some of the scenarios. So I think in that regard, they did a reasonably good job of of trying to eliminate the really really low end games. But but to your point, there's some of these games that that people may not think are going to be. Uh, overly tough that might end up on the on that night being a, a little tougher than expected, but it definitely feels like you're gonna uh, be disappointed if they aren't eight no over the course of those other uh, eight home games. Yeah, and, and that's just you know there there's two ways you gotta you gotta build up wins uh, to have a, a good chance to get the NCAA tournament, but that strength of schedule and those quad one and quad two wins are nice. Uh, as, as well, and as you said, if you're not going to be a quad one or a quad two uh, victory, then at least be one that's going to be maybe a quad three or, or not hurt your overall schedule. North Carolina State had a lot of wins a couple years ago, and and just did not play uh, any of those mid level type teams, and and they were left out on the bubble. So that that's something that's a concern. Uh, uh, Glenn asked this um, uh, of the non conference games we know about, which we know all of all of them now. Which ones are you most looking forward to, uh, and why? I assume uh, that. Um, They'll be the big three, but is is there any other one that uh, will be an interesting watch for you? Yeah, I think the the easy top two for me are the St. John's game and and at Syracuse St. John's because I think they're probably the best of those three teams. Uh, it's also the first chance you'll get to see IU um, take on a, a a better team. Uh, that'll be in the third game of the season than Syracuse. Uh, you know, first road game, only road game of the non conference. Uh, but again, a, a unique challenge from a, a, a defensive perspective, as we know all too well. Uh, but interesting to see what what does Mike Woodson game plan in that to, to be able to do that? How well do guys shoot uh, in that scenario to, to loosen up that zone? How well do, how well do they play against that? So uh, I think those are pretty easily the, the two most intriguing there. O- outside of that, um, you know, I don't I don't know that anyone stands out more than the other. Tempted to just say the Eastern Michigan game because it's the first one, and you, uh, you know, get to see Woodson walk out on Assembly Hall, uh, at Assembly Hall for the first time on uh, on McCracken Court. So I think that'll be exciting in and of itself. But otherwise, none of the none of those other ones really stand yeah. out to me too much. Th- those first two you mentioned are the top two. I'll throw in a Notre Dame game because it's a neutral game, and again, a win on a neutral court, and then you hope Notre Dame makes a run in the ACC tournament, and that moves up uh, into a a good quad win for Indiana. For me, uh, I, I hear you on Eastern Michigan. It's going to be exciting. I think that's a Tuesday night uh, game. The The Marshall game, you know, they they play, um, have played well in the past. And, and again, that's a game that you, you can't lose, you shouldn't lose, but might be a little bit tougher um, in those. Um, JD asked during the Crean or Miller. From a, Miller actually, the Marshall one too, from a, a tempo perspective, uh, unless they dramatically change the way they've played yeah. in recent years, is going to is going to really be up and down. Uh, and I think we saw a little bit of that from IU in the Bahamas. So Wasn't that one, at least from a, a pace D'Antonio? a pace standpoint, will be refreshing. D'Antonio was a coach there, or is he? Yeah, still it's his coach? brother. I That's believe his brother uh, from the, has, the has been coach of the there. Rockets and the NBA. Um, yeah, I JD, believe I believe so. I believe he's still the guy there. JD asked during the Crean or Miller eras, I believe the fan base would have thought this to be a pretty weak, mediocre schedule. I haven't really seen that reaction so far. Is that because it's a new coach and winning now is a premium regardless of who they play? Does the strength of schedule matter less now? Some other reason? Uh, you want to take a shot shot at that um, overall schedule? I, I think uh, I, I think some of the slack is just the I, – I, I, I guess I'll say first, I agree with the sentiment that – 
Uh, I think most would say this is on the weaker side of where you'd want to be. And I think even on the weaker side of where Woodson has, has said uh, that he would like it to be eventually. But I also, I, I attribute it at this point to it's a new coach and trying to uh, figure out how to get some wins, get in the NCAA tournament, uh, figure some things out before Big Ten play starts. And I think if that becomes a pattern that this looks like what the schedule is, then I think it becomes a problem. But from what Woodson has said, at least outwardly, uh, and even to a certain extent, the fact that the you know crossroads is going to be uh, ending and things like that. I think that opens the door to do some different things. Uh, I think uh, you'll probably be able to go to a, a, one of the exempt tournaments uh, again next year, potentially, uh, if they want to. So I think you'll have other opportunities there. So at this point, I'm chalking it up to new coach, and that's kind of what he thinks is best for the team this time around. But uh, I would be concerned if we're in year three and the schedule still looks like it does this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would – at best call it a mediocre schedule and, and mediocre only because there are four or five teams in in those bye games those those games against non power 5 conference opponents that again are are somewhat tougher are going to be those middle of the road 150 to 250 type games uh at times in the in the previous eras it was either you played the tough ones five or six and then you played the uh, five or six 350s um or 300 sub 300 uh, strength of schedule um, or net teams or whatever the ranking system was at the time. So I think it's a little more balanced, but uh, the, 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 the tough teams, the, the ideal matchups that top teams in the country play, this is not one of them. Um, you know, and at some point when, when the program gets established and we're going to be back to where we need to be, which is top 10, top 20, uh, this schedule has to toughen up a little bit. And a lot of times when there's a new coach, winning is a priority and you want to win, so you, you, you build a little bit lighter schedule. But I, I agree with J.D. there that I, I think um, this is a, a mediocre at best schedule leaning towards the weak side. Uh, but it can be managed and, and it can take us to where we want. So that leads us to the Big Ten schedule as it was announced. And it's always interesting to see, Andy, those December games since the Big Ten started moving uh, Big Ten games to the, the beginning, late November, early December. And Indiana will play Nebraska at home on a Saturday, December 4th, uh, and then travel uh, later uh, that next week to Wisconsin, a place where Indiana has struggled in the past on December 8th. Your thought about uh, the start to the Big Ten for the Indiana Hoosiers with those two games? I mean, not not bad. I think there have been years when uh, the, the combination of those two games could could certainly be worse. I think Nebraska at home, uh, I, while I think they'll be improved, I think it's another year of some pretty heavy roster turnover with them as has become pretty customary in the, the Hoiberg era. So I, probably good to get them earlier uh, at least once. I, I, they, they do play them again later, but they still project to be one of the, the lower teams in the league. So uh, I, I think that would that would be good. And then uh, obviously to feel good about going to the Cole Center at any point for IU would be foolish uh, given, recent, uh, given recent history. But you also have a team that's in huge transition in, in terms of uh, who they lost. So again, timing wise, they may still be figuring some things out at that point. Um, you know, you got Brad Davison back for his, uh, his 13th, maybe 14th year, uh, at this point, but they lost, you know, most everybody else. So I think, you know, if you look at that one, maybe you get them, it's certainly a style that IU has had trouble with in the past. I think similar to 
you know, talking about that with Syracuse, a good good early test for the coaching staff to see uh, what they're able to do that that perhaps some of their predecessors have struggled with against a, a unique system and, and things like that. So I think the potential is there to win both, get yourself off to a decent start. Uh, splitting those feels like a, a minimum expectation at that point. Uh, but, I, but I don't mind it for sure. It, it certainly beats having to play, you know, one of the better and or more experienced teams right out of the gate. Yeah, it gives it gives Indiana an opportunity to go two and zero. It's always tough to win at the Kohl Center. Wisconsin is going to be down this year. Uh, that's a game that, in, in traditional times, with both teams where they're at, you would say Indiana should go in there and win. And, and if Indiana wants to get off to a, a good start, they do so in the non-conference and they sprinkle in these two games. Uh, Nebraska is probably their most talented team. They bring in a, a heralded uh, recruit in, uh, but maybe catching them early is is the time too. So I think a split of these games is the the minimum. Um, and, and you know, if you take care of your home uh, schedule, you got ten wins. And if you can split on the road, you're fifteen and five. Uh, and so you don't even have to split on the road to have a really good uh, record in the Big Ten. Take care of your home and split on split on the road. But I think this is a road game that Indiana should compete in and should have a chance of winning. And then there's nine games in January, and, and we can split them up, um, you know, to, to basically kind of three groups. Um, you start off at Penn State, and then you have uh, Ohio State and Minnesota at home. Uh, if you group, um, you know, those three in or maybe even throw uh, an at Iowa, you got two road games book uh, on, on the bookends uh, between two home games, OSU and Minnesota. What do you think of that stretch? You know, Penn State projects to be one of the worst teams in the league. Minnesota projects to be one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, and Iowa is going to look a whole lot different um, than they have in years past. And and then the Ohio State game is at home, and they're they're certainly projected to be one of the, the upper-tier teams. But I don't think it's a terrible start. Even if you lump the, the fifth game into that, you go, you go on the road to Nebraska. So three of your first five against – arguably three of the worst teams in the in the league now two of those come on the road and that's never really uh never really easy but you know you, you they have a chance to get off to a good start uh and i think also you know build a little bit of that momentum uh as you do that and you know ohio state playing them at home is it is a team you you think i you should be able to compete with if, if i is going to achieve to the level that i think people hope that they do uh, this season. So I think they've got a chance to get off to a reasonably good start, even though three of those first five are on the road. Yeah. And I think that's nice setup. Again, as you talked at the very beginning in your comments, the, the schedule doesn't have any huge roadblocks or some, or major segments of play where it's, Oh my gosh, that, that could be a streak. Um, so those five games, if you do add in Nebraska, uh, that is uh, J- January 2nd through January 17th, uh, you should come away with three, you know, at a minimum, if you split the first two, three, you're, you're, you know, you're four and three at that point. But I, I think, you know, five wins would, would get Indiana off and then to a good start. And then probably the last four games in January is probably your toughest stretch from January 20th through the 29th, this nine day, four games in nine days. Um, let me take a step back to Ohio State. The nice thing between Penn State and Ohio State is that there's three days of prep, too. You play on the second, then you play Ohio State at home on the sixth. That's got to be a benefit. I don't know when Ohio State plays, but at times in the past, we've had some quick turnarounds against tough opponents. We see that a little bit here in this stretch because you're on the road at Nebraska on the 17th. You come back and play 
Purdue at home on the 20th, and then Michigan, uh, with two, you know, three days later, uh, you have uh, Penn State at home, which is a three-game uh, in a row at home, and then you go uh, three days later at Maryland. So that's uh, that's a lot of games in a short amount of time, but three of them are at home. And, and, and so it, it, the toughest stretch has home games in it. I think that bodes well for the Hoosiers. Yeah, it's interesting. If you tack the the first game of February onto that, although they got a week break before that one, um, the the first February game is home against Illinois. So that's a tough five game stretch, but four of them are at home. Right. Um, so that makes that makes a little bit of the quick turnarounds, as you mentioned, a little bit easier because you're not doing a bunch of traveling in the in the middle of there. Uh, you've got that Penn State game where, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are are certainly looking forward to Woodson's first game against Purdue at home. That one should be a, a crazy atmosphere. Michigan's highly ranked. Uh, should be a good atmosphere as well. You know, I think everybody would love to say, let's win all the home games. If you win one of those, I, I think you're feeling pretty good. Certainly is a good NCAA tournament one. Then you've got a little bit of an exhale, uh, dependent upon what Penn State really looks like by that point. But again, going off of most projections, they're toward the bottom of the league. Uh, and then you go to Maryland, which is a, a tough place to play. Uh, but I don't know that they're to, to me, they're not quite in that upper tier of the big 10. Um, but then you at least come back home and play Illinois, uh, after that. So I think the fact that the, the t- one of the tougher stretches in terms of strictly looking at opponents comes with so many games at home, uh, helps a lot just with not having to, to deal with the travel and all the things that come with that. Uh, so I think that's pretty, uh, I, I think that's fairly fortunate as well, even though you, you're playing some of the, the better teams in the league within a, a pretty short window and, and it's another thing about that too is you, you're what are we in there uh, two three four six seven games into the big 10 you get your big 10 feet wet and then you bring the big boys in like you said we're not playing purdue and minnesota back to back in december um when you're just mm-hmm. you know still working out the system with with coach woodson and then you get into a flow and at home i think that's the toughest stretch of the schedule those four games and even if you add on illinois uh a week later in february that five game stretch is probably the toughest but you got four at home and and you gotta you gotta think if you if you win two or three of those you're sitting pretty and again i'd like to go 10 and 0 at home but if you go eight and two at home and you could pull out four or five victories 12 uh wins 13 wins puts you in 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 a good spot in the Big Ten and a, and a spot of getting back in that tournament. Obviously, you want to do better than that to to, to compete for the championship. So then in, in February, we have Illinois at home. You, you go three days later to Northwestern, and then the, the toughest um, road game early in February is at Michigan State, the only time we play the Spartans uh, on February 12th. And um, that, that's got two toughies and one on the road. Uh, but again, those are those are games you can play. And if you want to put in Wisconsin into that too, but uh, Wisconsin at home, that you can come away with a couple more uh, victories there early February. Yeah, I think again, Northwestern I think would would be projected by most to be toward the bottom of of the league. Um, you got Illinois at home at Michigan State's going to be tough for sure. Uh, and then as you look at the rest of that, I mean, there, there's a tough stretch in you know, kind of that mid-February period where you start at Michigan State, then home against Wisconsin, at Ohio State, Maryland at home. Four games So, in again, row. not – yeah, so those are a tough stretch, but you got two of those at home to break things up. You, you don't have a two-game road trip in that, uh, in, that, in that set. And, 
so you know if this team plays well is good enough and plays well enough at home you got a chance to stop the bleeding if there gets to be a little bit where to, to the point you made a little bit ago so many times it feels like these last couple of seasons you're like you're looking and maybe that's the gloom and doom setting in to a certain extent, but you look at these and you're like, well, how here's a chance for this team to, you know, go on a five game losing streak. I think there's enough home games that break up some of these road trips or things like that, where you, you're not going to get things kind of careening uh, downhill toward a cliff uh, that, that you can't, uh, that you can't stop from. So I think that's, that's important. And I think the way that, you know, the home games are interspersed there helps to, to hopefully keep you from going on a big skid uh, at any point during the season. And then depending on how you, you lump them in, you talked about Maryland on February 24th. You you go there uh, home against Maryland, which is a game you should win. And again, if you're a top level team, you got to win that kind of game. You know, the Ohio State, Michigan, Purdue home games, the top three, you want to win those, you should win those, but that you can understand. But the Maryland's, the the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's, those teams you're competing with for positions in the in the Big Ten, you should win those games at home. And and so we start with Maryland. You go on the road to Minnesota, who's going to be really down. Uh, and then Rutgers at home. You could the of your four last games, you can start off with three, and then depending on where you're at in that conference, you're going to have a lot of momentum for the the game up at uh, West Lafayette, and you end the Big Ten play uh, at Purdue. Yeah, it's it's funny that 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 has happened. That's not something that has typically um, that that the league has made a point to do. And in, in the same way that uh, Duke and North Carolina always play each other at the end of the, the regular season, at least I, I feel like they do. Um, so, but be something. I again, I don't. I, you know, it's one year that it's happened. It hasn't been anything uh, that's been been consistent. But would be would be fun to uh, to see that maybe be the season ending game each year and rotate where it is. But um, yeah, I, I think you've got a chance to get a little bit of momentum. Who knows what that Purdue game means uh, at the end of the season, but uh, li- likely one um, you're going to be able to get up for that one either way and and maybe could be the cap on uh, a, a solid run. But again, you've got some of these games at home. you got a, an easier, one of the easier road games that you'll have, uh, at least from an opponent's standpoint. And, it, take the take the barn out of it, I guess. But uh, you know, playing at Minnesota and then uh, you know getting Rutgers at home and and at Purdue to finish it up. So, like I said, not not huge stretches where it just feels like things could really get away from you. Yeah, and, and so you, you play Illinois, Michigan, and Rutgers at home, and, and two of those are going to be uh, tough games. Michigan predominantly, Illinois yet to be seen, lost a, a lot of talent uh, on the road at Michigan State, Northwestern, and Iowa, and really Michigan State's the toughest of that. Uh, you play both uh, bo- the three bottom teams, Nebraska, Penn State, and Minnesota, uh, on the road. You should sweep those. You really, I know playing on the road at those places, the barn, uh, and all of that can be difficult. But that's six wins if you if you if you sweep you know sweep them, uh, and, and you're really looking to get to twelve or more. Uh, I believe in the Big Ten to to even consider it um, successful. So. Uh, you also play Purdue and Ohio State, two of the top three twice. Maryland, a good team, and a Wisconsin, a, a down team. No no big road trips, um, long road trips. There was a three-game home. So the toughest stretch, we had four out of five games at home. This this schedule, um, while not, not easy by any means, does uh, set up for Indiana to get enough uh, you know, quad wins and quad one wins to, um, to make it to the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I think when you look at the the single plays, uh, Illinois, I, I'm I have a, a a hard time getting a read on what they're going to be like without Desunmu. They do return Coburn. Curbelo is obviously going to take on a much bigger role. So they're you know probably in a similar tier as as IU potentially. Uh, I don't know that they're necessarily in that upper tier of the Big Ten that that I think most are you know flagging as Michigan, uh, Purdue, and and Ohio State. You know, maybe Illinois or Michigan State's in that group, but uh, if that is, if you do believe that's the case, I mean, you only play Michigan once and you get them at home. You only play Illinois once, you get them at home. Uh, Rutgers should be in that middle tier and is always solid. You only play them once, but you get that at home. Uh, and of the road single plays, you know, Northwestern is not expected to be great. That feels winnable. Iowa, you never really know, but they should you know, certainly will be down from from where they were uh, a year ago. So potentially a winnable one there. Playing Michigan State, the only time you play them at the Breslin Center is not going to be easy. But, uh, you know, again, I think the draw when you look at getting to play some of those bottom teams twice um, of the single play, the, you know, playing some of the tougher teams only once and those being at home uh, certain certainly helps. Like I said, I feel like it's, it's one of the more favorable schedules that IU seems to have had in recent years, at least since we've been doing the show and – kind of doing some of these breakdowns when the schedule comes out. So uh, we, we may be proven wrong uh, eventually, but it, at least it feels uh, it, it feels as one of the more favorable ones that we've uh, we've seen in recent years, at least. So to wrap up our discussion of the Indiana schedule release, Elbows in uh, talks uh, asked this question, are there any bracketology implications that jump out to you after seeing the schedule? Uh, you know, we touched on the the non conference piece of it a, a bit. I think those those three games take on additional importance because they're really going to be your only, likely your only quad one and quad two opportunities in in the non conference. Now, once you get into the Big Ten, uh, you know you you do have some of those games that are going to be on the lower end, and, and that puts maybe a little bit of extra pressure not to lose the road games at some of the lower teams in the league. Um, but if you figure where you know, Michigan, Illinois will probably be being able to play them only at home gives you those are likely to be quad one opportunities no matter what. I mean, you got to be in the top 30 in the net uh, to be a quad one home game. So I think those will be there. Maybe Rutgers even gets there depending upon how they do uh, in the non-conference. So I think you've got a ton of quad one opportunities. Um, you know, you get some of those, but you get some of them at home, which is helpful. Uh, and I think in, in a, in a, in a, situation where the selection committee typically looks at road performance i think you've got enough winnable road games that you're not going to put yourself in a well this team is one in ten away from home where you get dinged a little bit as you go through and and do that so i think that's important sometimes it isn't even the fact that you beat great teams on the road that certainly helps uh and will give you a bump but it's just showing the ability to win away from home and if you think that you can win uh you know those you know, three games against you know Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State. If you if you feel like you can even take the single play ones against Northwestern and Iowa, that that gives you five, uh, and five league road wins is a big deal. Uh, so I think that the potential for that is there, where you can rack up some wins, even though it may not be against the best of the best in terms of competition from the league. You know, the, the basically what you want to do is don't have an empty column in that spreadsheet that that everyone looks at. Is you, you don't want to be one and ten on the road, or or you know one and nine in Big Ten play on the road because that's a red flag to 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 break a tie for selection or seeding. 
of, of those things. And that, that in the past has been very, very important. So I think that's an excellent point. Uh, and, and I'll take that to the non-conference. You know, the biggest game in the non-conference is at Syracuse, um, I think, on the road. And then the second is Notre Dame neutral because, again, that shows the committee that you can win away from uh, uh, Assembly Hall. If I had to ask you your quick take on the Big Ten record and overall record, um, you know, we got a lot of studying to do, and, and we got to see how the teams play out. You, your quick guess, and then I'll give you mine. Uh, let's see. If there's, there's what, 11 non-conference games? Yep, 11 non-conference right? and uh, 20 conference. I mean, I, I, I maybe this is maybe this is optimistic. I mean, I think of the non-conference, you figure you win those eight, and, and I'm going to go the optimistic side of what I said you'd like to see him do and go two and one there. So that's 10 and one at that point. Uh, you know, Big Ten wise, to your point, if you sweep those six games against the bottom teams, which it feels like you should, uh, you, you know, maybe take another one of those road games from the uh, the single play column uh, and play reasonably well at home. Uh, you know, it does feel like you could get yourself to, you know, 12, 12 wins. So I guess I'll say 12 and eight in the league and 11 and one outside of it. So what's that? 23 and 23 and nine. I'll throw out with uh, with with little to. to no you'd have to be ten and one, Andy. There. Um, oh, ten and one. Sorry, sorry. The, okay, so, so I'm going to so have 20, to... 22 and nine. I did not like I majored in math or anything. So <laughs> you know um, <laughs> that uh, honestly was what I was going to say. I think ten and one. Um, it's not a must, um, but but I think if you go nine and two and lose two out of those three, that's going to be a bracketology issue. Uh, and then it's really going to depend on who you beat in the Big Ten, and you might have to win more than 12 uh, to get a, a good seed or maybe to get a selection at, at that point. So uh, I, I'm looking at 10-1 and one in the non-conference. I think the Syracuse game is going to be really tough. Again, going up against that zone with minimal time to prepare has always been problematic. Uh, and then, you know, I think the floor, Andy, is 12. So I, I'm going to up you one. I'm going to say 13-7. and seven. Uh, because you stole my thunder, uh, and we just have to be different. <laughs> but you know, if you go thirteen and seven in the first year in, in the Big Ten, I think that's a really good start. And you add ten, that's twenty three and eight. You're in the tournament, regardless of what you do. Regardless of what you do in the in the Big Ten uh, tournament, you could always add some good wins there too. So I think Indiana's in the twenty two, twenty three win range, and single digit losses heading into uh, the Big Ten. Uh, and I think that is really uh, something that that can uh, be accomplished. So there it is. The schedule's out. Everyone can go through it several times and and figure out your own uh, record. Put it in the in the chat mob or or send us uh, your thoughts initially. And obviously that is subject to change. So uh, coming up in our third segment, we'll do some uh, answer some questions. Uh, we got the mediocre question from Jay Horry this week. So stick around with us here on the Assembly Call. who makes a difference at work. So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com careers.
We could all use a real vacation right about now. Lucky for us, Princess Cruises has a port right here in SF. Starting at $99 per day, Princess can take you to the beaches of Mexico, the tropics of Hawaii, the glaciers of Alaska, or along the California coast. That's right, just $99 per day. Set sail with California's cruise line. Call 1-800-PRINCESS, visit princess.com, or contact your travel advisor today. Terms and restrictions apply. Promotional pricing ends November 30th, 2021. Ships are Bermudan and British Registry. Before booking, consult the CDC website at www.cdc.gov. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Welcome back. Uh, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, with Andy Bottoms. We just got done talking about IU schedule release. Uh, and now it is time for uh, all of the questions uh, that come from our mailbag. And they're, they're submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join. Uh, go to assemblycall.com backslash community. It's a good place to have some good sports uh, conversations. Uh, and tomorrow on evenings, we're having some happy hours. Uh, Kathy Amos is going to host a happy hour tomorrow. A lot of opportunities in uh, the assembly call community. Uh, check that out if you would. So we have. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. Jay does have a mediocre question, but his performance at the Iowa City uh, Friday, Saturday night was anything but mediocre. Uh, we, we had a good time with mediocre Jay. Uh, and he asked this, excluding the Purdue games. So the other 29 games are eligible. If you could guarantee an IU win in one game on the schedule, Andy, which game would you want to guarantee a win that's not either of the Purdue games? Uh, I'll say the Michigan game at home. I, I was looking back. You know, They've really uh, become a, a mainstay at the top of the Big Ten uh, again. And looking back, IU hasn't beaten them since 2016. Uh, when when Crean was there, and most of the losses since then were IU just got their doors blown off, uh, and I think it would. I think so many times during that stretch have have just struggled to watch Michigan basically do whatever they wanted to do on offense, and IU seemingly have no answer to stop it defensively, uh, and with Coach Woodson's. Uh, focus on defense and some of the conversations that, that he's had about that that side of the ball. I think a win there certainly would would get that based on your ability to defend and uh, would would be a good notch in their belt from an NCAA tournament standpoint. But uh, more than anything, just to really be able to you know get back on the winning side of things against them and and who's expected to be one of the top teams in the country. So I'd say that one from a conference standpoint. I think non conference uh, winning at Syracuse would be a, a big deal. Um, for that one, but uh, I look, I looked a little bit more at the league, so I'll say, uh, I'll say Michigan. So, so we're on the same wavelength tonight. I'm, I'm gonna change it up because I, I'd say Michigan too. I think that's uh, probably the best team uh, besides Purdue in the Big Ten, and you, if you can guarantee a win, you'd want that. I'm gonna say let's let's get a win against Ohio State. You know, I, I think we need to pass them in the pecking order. They get a lot of uh, praise. Coach Holtman does do a good job. Um, but I, I'm getting a little tired of them being around. They they need to fall back a little bit, and and a win or two against Ohio State will be uh, will be uh, something that I I would enjoy. So um, Tom asked the next question, and he says, uh, "Do you think anyone this year will be redshirted?" 
I, I, I don't. Uh, it's always hard. I know we a lot of times we try not to speculate too much on uh, on some of this. I, I feel like injury would have to potentially be a, a part of it. Um, you know, maybe that. I, I think if anybody, I would probably say Logan Duncombe has the biggest potential to be that way, especially after they brought in Michael Durr. Uh, I don't know that that means that he would be. Uh, but I think if if you asked me to say if you told me one guy was going to get redshirted, that's that would be my pick fairly fairly easily. I would say so. Uh, I don't. I, it, it's hard to tell because you got a new staff. You don't really know what their philosophy is around using redshirt years. Some programs do that a lot and do it really well. Uh, but it's not something IU has done a ton of recently. But you don't have a great handle on what uh, Woodson's Woodson's deal would be. So I think Duncan is the one that I think it's a possibility, uh, assuming that Durr's healthy. I know he didn't play in the Bahamas, and it doesn't sound like that was anything major. But um, that he he would be the one potential one. You know, it's interesting to see what what they do with everyone was redshirted last year with the with the COVID rules. In, in essence, they they get that extra year back. So. You know, if you wanted to go somewhere else other than Duncan, you you could say maybe you know Leo because you got some some guards play that might be ahead of him at that point, uh, and and Galloway was talked up a little bit. Uh, Geronimo's not even a, a, a choice there. He's got to play and play some major minutes. So to me, it's either Duncan or Leo, and I think it, the the only one that could would be uh, Duncan uh, if that choice is made. Um, Joel says, let's say Stewart and, and Miller Cop are shooting 35% or better uh, from three, and you are down two with 15 seconds to play. Who do you want to see take the last shot? TJD, Parker Stewart, Xavier Johnson, Miller Cop, or Race Thompson? <sighs> Boy. Um, such a hard question to answer without having seen, seen the offense. I know that feels like a, a cop-out answer to uh, – to, to not do that. Um, I, I, I'll say, uh, I mean, I, it says last shot, not, not necessarily whether they're taking a three. Um, right. I, I guess a, a little bit hard to go away from, from TJD. So I would probably, I'd probably still try to get him the ball first. Cause you got 15 seconds. You should have enough time to run something to, uh, get him, get him set up. So I, I'll, I'll lean him. Miller cop would have been my, Potentially my second choice again. That's a little bit biased from what he did in the in the really the one game that he played in the Bahamas, being able to to shoot, which is what everybody's asking him to do. Um, if he's hitting that percentage, presumably he's shooting relatively well. So uh, I would put him up in that conversation. But I think that gives you enough time to get Trace a good look. So might as well uh, might as well go with him. Uh, I agree with that. I'm I'm going to go from a coaching standpoint. I'm going to put the ball in X's hands. Um, and maybe not to, to get the shot, but maybe to create a shot for someone else with uh, a downhill attack. Uh, you're, you're, you're down to, it's going to force some help, and then trust him to either be able to score in traffic, get fouled and hit some foul shots, or be able to kick it out to one of those, um, you know, 35. I look at Xavier as a somewhat of a closer. I don't think, obviously, I talk a lot about IU. He was just an extreme great closer. Uh, I don't think we have an extreme great closer by any means, but I think we have a couple dudes that like to score uh, and do it differently. I think Xavier Johnson is going to be one that can score in multiple ways, and I think Scoop Bates is another guy that, you know, he has no conscience. That's what I like about him, and he's going to take a shot when, when it's crunch time. And those are the guys who are mo most likely to, to, to be successful. 
there's really nothing wrong with either Parker Stewart, TJD, or Miller Cop. I think we have some people who can score the basketball this year. So there's a lot of options, and I think it also depends on who you're playing and who's guarding who uh, at the moment. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, another question from Elbows in um, – I think we had answered this uh, – or maybe not. What was the most exciting two weeks when Woodson was hired, coaching staff transfers, recommits, and Bates coming in, or seeing the results in the Bahama and JS and uh, Hood Shafino commitment and recruiting uh, momentum? Which would you choose as being the uh, more exciting two week span? Yeah, I couldn't really remember. I don't think we answered this because I think we had it in last week, and uh, and Coach Morris was on with us, so that's we didn't. Right. Uh, okay, that's we I didn't end it. up hitting him. So you may have thought about it and answered <laughs> it in your head, but not actually answered it. On and the that show. can be scary sometimes. Uh, what goes on in, inside my brain? That's tough. It's tough. Depending upon what it is, you never know. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting question. I guess I'll say I, I'll take the second one. I'll take the the results in the Bahamas and the Huchifino commitment. I think. The, the early stuff was exciting, but you didn't know um, you, you didn't really know what it was going to look like or what it could look like. And so I think the Bahamas games gives you a glimpse of how this team might be able to play, which on the defensive side of the ball was exciting on the offensive side of the ball gives you a little bit of pause. But I think um, at least if you, if you wanted to, you could tell yourself a story that things will really work themselves out on that side of the floor uh, when when it's all said and done. And I think the Hood Shafino recruitment uh was a was a good a good win for them on the recruiting trail and and really building some momentum uh and continuing to do that versus you know tamar bates was obviously a big uh recruiting win as well during that time period but uh, i think to see that sustained recruiting momentum uh and and the fact that you know some of the, the comments that the hochefino made after the fact and the conversations he had with woodson and the staff uh, and and how excited he was about the opportunity, uh, I think that makes you feel good because you know the recruiting piece was a was a big one with Woodson. That was one of the main questions: Does he can he recruit? Does he want to recruit? All those kinds of things. And the Scoot Bates one was was something that there really wasn't a it wasn't a long recruiting process by any means. He he decommitted. Um, they got in with him and and were able to make some headway. But the Huchifino one really had a long run up to it and and speaks hopefully to the job they can do over a period of time where they're uh talking to a guy and being able to get him to commit so i'll say the second one and, and i'm gonna maybe go, that's recency bias though that's no, no, true but i'm gonna go uh you talked uh really well about the the commitment from hood shafino and i agree with everything you said there the bahamas trip for me uh just um what was really exciting i had a chance to watch the game film uh, and it's a different brand of basketball. And I, I, I just will tell everyone that, you know, Indiana may lose a game here, or they may have turnovers, or they may not make some shots or whatever, but they're going to have their moments where they struggle. But I think you're going to enjoy what Coach Woodson is trying to implement. And as these guys get into practice, get a few games under their belt and grow throughout the season, it is, it is my belief that you are seeing a more modern – type of approach uh and, and from an old guy and an old coach there's nothing wrong with older ways of doing things you know coach marlowe's in the chat he likes to run flex and saying you know we run some other offenses that uh d date our age and, and they're good and, and executed and coached properly um can be successful but i i just like the downhill i like the transition i like the flying around on defense so for me the good results in the bahamas 
uh, just added on to those previous two weeks with the hires, the transfers, and all of that. It's just like a, a snowball. Uh, Bob Thompson, who is responsible for all of our music uh, on the show, uh, says, what was Archie's longest Big Ten winning streak, and, and does Woody surpass it in year one? And, Andy, you did some research on this, and uh, he won four straight in 18-19. In he won four straight again once in 17-18 and had two other three-game winning streaks. Uh, does, does Woody uh, get a five-game or more uh, win streak after seeing the schedule? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I, uh, I, I At first, I, I looked backwards, so I started with – last year and kind of worked my way back and there wasn't a streak longer than two games for the uh in either of the most recent two seasons which was moderately depressing and i thought well man if it's uh if it's two if it's only two uh if he's only got to beat two then i feel pretty good about it but he it, it did get a little bit better uh th- than that there were a couple a uh, couple moments there you know i went back i was trying to look at the schedule a little bit to see where could you piece together five you you could make an argument that he could do it in the first five games where you got Nebraska. If he can win at Wisconsin, uh, then you got at Penn state, Ohio state at home and Minnesota at home. So uh, maybe, maybe a chance in that scenario. Uh, I think even if you lose at Wisconsin, you know, even maybe that next, that first stretch to open the big 10 at Penn state, Ohio state at home, Minnesota at Iowa, at Nebraska, a lot of road games, but some, some of the more winnable ones that you would, would have. So um I don't know. I there, five games in a row in the in the Big Ten is pretty tough. I think he could match it for sure. Uh, I, I'm. I think if he doesn't do it early, I'm not sure he's going to uh, in in year one based on what the schedule is. So I might go for a push on that one and say he could get he get to four. But uh, like I said, five if he doesn't do it early gets gets a little tricky because you get into some of the really hard road games that. You really got to steal one at some point if you want to real rip off that many wins in a row uh, toward the end. How about a seven game winning streak, Andy, to start the Big Ten? Wouldn't that be something? Mike Woodson hired for Indiana wins his first seven Big Ten, uh, and then comes home and plays Purdue in game eight. Uh, that place would be going crazy. I am not predicting that. Don't put it on the board uh, <laughs> as one of those bets, but. Uh, you know, if you're if your first five, which you stole, you stole what I was going to say again. And honestly, we did not talk before the show, um, but we're agreeing on a lot of things. Um, I do think the first five are, are winnable uh, because of the the three home games and 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 who they play. Uh, with the only real real tough game would be home against Ohio State. So if there's going to be a five game winning streak uh, there, but then you go to at Iowa and at Nebraska, so six and seven are also if if. Maybe you get uh, you know a little bit of a, a win at Michigan, then you got Penn State. Yeah, that it's got to be those first five or a four-game winning streak to end the season and win the first game of the of the Big Ten tournament. Does that count, uh, or does it have to be regular season? I, I don't think uh, the the question. Um, Bob's question said that it had to be. We haven't we haven't won enough Big Ten tournament games to really consider take that into consideration. In but I'm just talking about winning one, like win the last four regular season and win one, then he gets his five game yeah five game winning. Streak, I mean, I guess, so. technically it would technically it would be it, it would know, be. So I think it has I think to, I would have counted it because the one year IU won the four to close the season, and I think that's when they lost to Ohio State in the first round of the Big Ten yep. tournament. So I would have counted it when I was doing the research at the very least. So All I'll right. say uh, I'll say we count it. I'll say we count it if it happens. So it's either going to be the first five or the last four plus the Big Ten tournament. If you if you think that he's going to get a, a win streak longer uh, than Archie, that's it. We're done. No more questions. 
So that'll do it uh, for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the live uh, show, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights uh, for this live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson, who just asked that last question, for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. All right, that'll do it. Andy, thanks for um, putting some of that stuff in there uh, in the run sheet late. Good talk yeah, no on the schedule. Well, good to have, good to have stuff to, good to have actual games to, to kind of talk about at least. Don't know what a lot of these teams are going to yeah. look like quite yet, but at least you can visualize a schedule. I know some people have asked when we might uh, try to have the meetup. I have not looked at it from that perspective, although you and I, I would imagine, are in a similar boat of, although you probably have a, a far better idea of what your schedule might be from a coaching perspective than yeah. I probably do at this point. So that is always the there's two, uh, um, the tricky part for me. So yeah. I don't, but I, we don't know anything about yeah, what we would, uh, we haven't we gotten have together point, so. and kicked it around. There are two Saturdays. One's December 4th. I do not have a game. One's February 5th, which would be ideal, but I do have a game, uh, on that Saturday. And then there's a couple Sunday games. Uh, I don't know if we've ever done that before. Um, come into town on a, we did a Friday. I think we, we did, did a Friday. Friday Ohio State. When, yeah. I think it was yeah, Ohio we did that State. one once, but, uh, I don't, yeah, it was. I think it was the the Rojo Senior Night. So yep. I know we did that one, but yeah, I don't know that we I don't know that we ever tried to. So Jared was Sunday, throwing out so the we'll Michigan, the the Sunday, the twenty third, Michigan, and and I could make it down for the game and a meetup afterwards. I couldn't make it down for dinner. Uh, I have a game on the twenty second, but I would come down to Bloomington at eleven thirty and start my evening then if I had to. Uh, if you guys were out, <laughs> if you were if you were forced, that's of right. Course. If, Only if, if you were if that forced. was the selection. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, darn, we'll, we'll figure coaching. it out and we'll keep everybody posted as uh, yep as it gets closer. Going, yeah, so. but other than that, uh, everyone take care. Root on the Hoosiers to get this football stuff fixed and believe that they will. And it starts off with a, a good tailgate. So if you're in the uh, Bloomington area, uh, the Purple Lot, Lot Ten Eleven, whatever you call it, just north of the football stadium, stop by and say hi. Grab a sandwich and a and a cold drink. We'll have. Regular uh, drinks, we'll have adult drinks, uh, and we'll have some hospitality shots too, which were a big hit at uh, uh, at, at Iowa. Uh, I think the count was over 100, Andy, that uh, we, we did, and tipping a chair back and uh, brought me back to a little bit of younger days, but um, some of our younger <laughs> crowd got uh, got into the hospitality shots. That was uh, kind of a, a nice thing, but uh, good people, uh, fun times, and looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, enjoy. And uh, hopefully the result is far, far better than it was a week ago and they can get things going in the right direction for sure. Absolutely, man. All right. We'll see you. All right. See you, everybody. Take care. We could all use a real vacation right about now. Lucky for us, Princess Cruises has a port right here in SF. Starting at $99 per day, Princess can take you to the beaches of Mexico, the tropics of Hawaii, the glaciers of Alaska, or along the California coast. That's right, just $99 per day. Set sail with California's cruise line. Call 1-800-PRINCESS, visit princess.com, or contact your travel advisor today. 
Terms and restrictions apply. Promotional pricing ends November 30th, 2021. Ships of Bermudan and British Registry. Before booking, consult the CDC website at www.cdc.gov. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here.